our, our church computer changed my backdrop, and uh, and then it just dawned on me. I used a font that I don't usually use, and, and it did not convert over. And so, anyway, that's a little bit better. And we'll put just a few things up on the screen here in just a minute for you. But turn over, if you will, to First Kings, First Kings chapter 19 uh, uh, tonight. And let me... Uh, let me try to help you tonight. I, you know, I'm excited about the message. I, I really feel strongly about the message that God's given me tonight, and um, it helped me, and I, I believe it'll help help somebody else tonight. And of course, as you seen, sort of seen on the screen a while ago, and probably couldn't, maybe you couldn't decipher it, but I want to talk to you about causes of Christian burnout tonight. And so, look if you will at First Kings chapter 19 and verse number one. And the Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Aren't you glad God speaks more than just one time? Aren't you glad God's got a second chance? There's, there's so much in this passage. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but there's so much in this passage. The Bible says, and he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, this is the third time, and the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazael, to be king over Syria. 
And uh, let me read just a little further because I'm telling you, man, God gave me a great truth out of this just this morning. The Bible says, In Jehu, the son of Nimshah, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of uh, Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. By the way, I don't think Elisha knew yet, but he was getting ready to be the prophet in Elijah's place. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And what a great chapter, man. What a wonderful chapter. In fact, this is a great, you ought to to, uh, push the rewind button to go back and read a few chapters up to this point because they're all power packed. Every one of them are. But I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject tonight, the causes of Christian burnout. And uh, we were out uh, out visiting tonight, uh, Brother Brandon and Brother Justin and I had some good business tonight, by the way, uh, and, uh, and and getting ready. We didn't make it there tonight. We're getting ready to, to, to knock on the door. And I told the fellas, I said, you know, I said, this family here, I said, uh, used to be rock solid in our church. I'm telling you, teaching Sunday school class, uh, preaching in our church. And uh, this guy felt like maybe he was called to preach in our church and uh, on a bus route and just, I mean, just solid in our church, but, you know, got out, not, as far as I know, doesn't go anywhere, hadn't went anywhere in years and years. Uh, and Brother Justin said, you know, preacher, what, what was the problem? And I said, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what the problem was. But, you know, a lot of times folks just get burned out. And we have to make sure, we have to make sure we don't get there. We, we, we can't afford to get there. There's too much at stake, isn't there? And our families are at stake and our homes are at stake and the ministry's at stake and souls are at stake tonight. And so, uh, but I do want to talk to you tonight about the causes of Christian burnout. And so, uh, let's pray and we'll jump right into the Bible. So tonight, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and for your salvation. And Lord, for the uh, privilege to be back at Calvary again tonight. And, Lord, we appreciate this little window of opportunity that we have uh, midway through the week to come back together as children of God and as the family of God and just be together and fellowship together and love each other and pray for one another. And, and, uh, and Lord, uh, be reminded of the wonderful missionaries that we support and, the, Lord, the, that the gospel message is going out all over the world. Lord, thank you for this time that we have together now, I pray now for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, in fact, even the last few minutes, I've been reminded, God, of how much more I need it. I need a touch. I need a fresh touch right now, a miraculous touch. And so, God, I want to be a blessing. We'll lift up the name of Jesus, and I want to be a blessing to your people. So fill us with the Spirit of God, and I pray the Word of God will come alive in our hearts and our minds tonight. We love you and praise you now and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, amen and amen. It's interesting here in 1 Kings chapter uh, 17, 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 19, we find a prophet with great power and blessing. In fact, in fact, uh, if you go back to 1 Kings chapter 17, you don't, you don't have to physically go back there, 
But if you went back to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 2 through 7, we find the uh, prophet is being fed miraculously by ravens. The Bible says that he uh, is camped out by the book Cherith there, and the Bible says that every morning God sends the ravens, and every evening God sends the ravens, and they feed the man of God. We find in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 18 uh, verses 8 through 16, that he miraculously is fed by a starving widow of Zarephath. A lady who could not, who technically could not feed herself is now feeding the man of God and ends up finding out that God just continues to bless and provide as he always does. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24, he miraculously raises the widow's son back to life again. Uh, the son is dead, and yet Elijah raises the son, resurrects the son back to life again. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 through 37, he miraculously prays down fire from heaven. You remember that story there with the prophets of Baal uh, and the water all over the altar and how God sends fire from heaven and it burns up the water and burns up the, the sacrifice and the Bible says it even burns up the dust uh, and that happens in 1 Kings chapter 18. In 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 3 through 13, he miraculously prays down fire upon the soldiers of Samaria. Uh, and uh, uh, and we, you would not have wanted to have been in that in that battalion, that's for sure. Uh, every time Ahab sent another uh, another group of soldiers, the Bible says that Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. He said, if I be a man of God, uh, then let fire come down from heaven. And it, every time it burned up those 50. And then Ahab would send another 50. And, a, and, and Elijah would say, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. It burned up another 50. And finally, uh, that, that last 50 that came, the Bible says that, uh, that leader fell down and said, he said, let my life be precious in your sight. And he said, I know you're a man of God and God spared his life. In 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 8, we find that Elijah miraculously parts the waters of the Jordan River. The Bible says he takes his mantle off and he smites the waters of the Jordan River. And the Bible says they're parted hither and thither and he and Elijah go across on dry ground. And then in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 11, we find out that Elijah goes first class to heaven. Uh, he is miraculously caught up by a whirlwind uh, to go into heaven. So again, I, I just, I'm trying to make a little point here, and that's this, that if you read the book of 1 Kings, and even in the first part of 2 Kings, you'll find out that Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. I mean, the man had the power of God on his life and the touch of God on his life, and just fearless and uh, uh, powerful and uh, a man that could pray and the heavens would stop giving rain, a man that could pray and the heavens would give rain, a man that could pray and fire would come down, a man that could raise the dead back to life again. I mean, a powerful, powerful, powerful man. But as we read in 1 Kings chapter 19 tonight, something has drastically changed. Uh, and you know, I thought about this. It's almost like it's not the same man. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we don't find a prophet praying down fire from heaven. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we don't find a prophet that's raising the dead to life again. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we find a prophet who's down and discouraged and we find a prophet who is defeated and a prophet who is depressed. And I really believe this as we, we talked about this two Wednesday nights ago. I really believe that Elijah has come to the point in his life where he simply just burned out. I mean, he's just ran out of gas. 
I don't believe it's sin. I don't, I don't believe we find sin in Elijah's life. But you know what? He's just ran out of gas and, uh, and he's just burned out like those matches right there. He's just burned out. Uh, the, the, the call of God is, is on his life, but he's just burned out. And that happens a lot of times uh, to Christians. Now I want to take just a moment tonight and I want to make sure that we do this pass, uh, passage justice. And I believe it's important that we notice tonight. This is just introduction, but it's good introduction. And then after the introduction, I'm just going to basically give you one point. But I want you to notice tonight that the real star of the passage you read tonight is not Elijah. Now, I will say that Elijah has a supporting role. But I want you to understand tonight that God, in 1 Kings chapter 19, that God is, has the leading role and that God is the star. And as we find Elijah here is depressed and Elijah's discouraged, and to be honest with you, Elijah's having a little bit of a pity party. In fact, maybe a lot of a pity party. He just wants to die, the Bible says. He said, God, just take my life. I, I just want to die. And, uh, but you know what? Even in spite of all of that, we find in 1 Kings chapter 19, we find God, a great God, being the God of all comfort. Uh, I, I just thought this was interesting. How about this? Number one, I wrote this down. God cooks for Elijah. Now, look, if you will, at 1 Kings chapter 19 and look at verse number 5. 1 Kings 19 and verse number 5. The Bible says, and as, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, I mean, he's down. Behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a, a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head and it had eaten, drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And you know what I found out here? That the, bed, the bread is baked and the table is set. You know, aren't you glad, aren't you glad tonight, church, that even when you're not where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, aren't you glad that God still provides for us? Man, I mean, even though Elijah is having a little bit of a pity party, you know what? God comes and God cooks for him. Uh, I mean, listen, wakes him up and the, 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 the bread is baked. And, and the water is in a cruise and it's served and, uh, and dinner is served. And I mean, the table is set. And, and, I, and I thought about this, man, how many times when I really haven't been where I was supposed to be and my, and my spirit wasn't right and I maybe was feeling sorry for myself and yet I have a God who still provides for me and a God who still comforts me and a God who still bends over backward to try to bless me. Man, that's the kind of God that I serve tonight. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll feel like God really, really will bless me. And, and, and occasionally, you know what, when I just really feel the blessings of God, I'll have this thought, I'll think, you know, I didn't deserve that. Or there's been a few times, there's been a few times when, man, when man, I preached and I could feel the anointing of God, I could feel the power of God, and maybe we had people saved, and maybe decisions were made, and after the service, I, I, I just thought, I thought, Lord, I didn't deserve your power. I didn't deserve your power today. And it was just like that still small voice said to me, son, you don't ever deserve my power. <laughs> On your best day, you don't deserve my power. 
And I'm not trying to make you feel bad tonight, church. I'm just saying that, man, on our best day, we don't deserve his blessing. I mean, man, on our best day, we don't deserve the touch of God. And here is a man of God that's down and depressed and, and have a pity party, but yet God comes along and God ministers to him and God encourages him. I think about the verse in Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Boy, thank God that God cooks for us and God provides for us even when we don't deserve it. But then I noticed this. Not only did God cook for Elijah, God communicated with Elijah. Hey, would you look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and look at verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. The Bible says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even, I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great wind, a strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. Oh, I like that still small voice, don't you? I'm glad that God doesn't sever communications with his children when we get out of the way. Man, how many times, how many times could God have just cut me off and said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. But yet, you know what, and, and here, here Elijah is and he's really not where he's supposed to be. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. We'll get into that in just a moment. And yet God communicates him not once, not twice, but several times God comes back and God communicates with him. And boy, I'm thankful that God communicates with us. And can I just say tonight, be careful because I do believe this. I believe the Bible teaches this, that if we continue to go in a sinful way, that we actually can cut the communication with our God. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You don't have to go there, but in 1 Samuel chapter 28, we find a man by the name of King Saul. And King Saul, who is the leader of Israel, we find King Saul going to the witch of Endor. I mean, King Saul is basically calling the psychic hotline. That's what he's doing. Going to a witch, going to a lady that, that is possessed with a familiar spirit, a demon spirit. But wait a minute now. The reason that Saul went to the witch is because God had stopped communicating with him. God had severed that communication. But I'm glad, boy, I'm glad that on the most part, you know what, even when we're not where we need to be, thank God we have a God that cooks for us. And thank God we have a God that communicates with us. But then I thought about this. Not only does God cook for Elijah, and God communicates with Elijah, but God is compassionate with Elijah. And Elijah's feeling sorry for himself. And God, you understand that God could have been very harsh with Elijah, but we find here a God that is still kind and compassionate. You'll notice in verse number 18, the Bible says God responds to Elijah, and he says to Elijah, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth, which hath not kissed him. And so thank God, on our worst days, God is still at his best. Well, I'm, I'm just so glad that God never changes. 
I mean, man, he's just, he's merciful every day. He's long-suffering every day. He's patient every day. Man, oh, man. And I just want to, by way of introduction, I just want to say, man, thank God for the God that we serve tonight. But I want to take just a moment. I'm just going to give you just really just one point tonight. But I want to talk to you about what were some things that led to Elijah's burnout? What were the causes of Elijah's burnout? Well, we talked about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago. We said, number one, that Elijah's labor was uncharacteristic. Remember what we talked about? We said that Ahab rode, and the Bible says that Elijah ran. And I really believe this. I really believe that Elijah was just simply wore out. In fact, in fact, I thought this was interesting. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, and look at verse number 4, if you will. The Bible says, but he, talking about Elijah, but he, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might not die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. I'm not better than my father's. Look at verse five. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold then an angel, uh, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink. Look what happened. And he laid him down again. You know what I believe? I believe Elijah was just wore out. Was it Teddy Roosevelt? I'm not sure it was, but someone said this, that fatigue makes cowards of us all. And you know what? Sometimes you got to come apart or you'll come apart. Do you know that? Uh, and boy, sometimes we, man, here again, we were having that discussion tonight on the van. And, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're already going to the prison on Fridays and going to the prison on Tuesdays. And uh, the prison called back and said, uh, and, and said, you know what, we'd like you to come on another day. Uh, and Justin was asking me about that night. He said, Pastor, what do you think? And I said, Justin, I, I said, I don't know if you've got another day to go, man. I just, you know, and, and how many know that a lot of times if you're willing, people keep asking. And by the way, that didn't mean they're wrong to, to ask, but I'm just saying that there comes a time when you finally have to say, I just can't, man. I'm, I mean, I've just got so many irons in the fire and I'm so committed and I'm going so many different ways and, and uh, you know what, I just can't. But sometimes people don't know how to say no and they just keep on and keep on and keep on, whether it's ministry or business or family or whatever the case might be. And there comes a time sometimes when you just have to say, brother, I just can't. I mean, I just can't. And I, I really believe that Elijah, Elijah was just wore out. Why? Because his... His labor was uncharacteristic. But how about this? Number two, we noticed this last week. We noticed that Elijah listened to a negative messenger. The Bible says that Jezebel sent a messenger and she said, I'll have your head tomorrow. And we found out that Elijah listened to that negative messenger. But I want to get, I want to, get to this last part. I want to talk to you a little bit about this subject tonight. Number three, what was it that caused Elijah's burnout? Well, number three, Elijah limited his fellowship. Now, I hope you'll hear me out on this tonight, church. Would you look at 1 Kings chapter 19 and look at verse number 3 tonight? 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 3. And the Bible says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father. So it's interesting here that Elijah, once Jezebel puts this hit out on him, Elijah travels over a hundred miles. He goes from Jezreel all the way to Beersheba. By the way, I believe he's already wore out. 
And so now he's run 100 miles. Doesn't have a Cadillac. He's gone 100 miles, and which further leads to his exhaustion. And then the Bible says that he goes one step further. And I just thought this was, this was interesting here. We notice that he leaves his servant at Beersheba and travels alone into the wilderness. We notice here that Elijah got discouraged and severed himself from everybody. Now, now, church, listen to this. If you're gonna seclude yourself away from everybody just for a little while to spend some time with God, that's one thing. Bible talks about that a little bit. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the Bible talks about actually coming away from your spouse for uh, a little bit of a time so you can give yourself to fasting and prayer. Uh, and then the Bible says come together again. And so the Bible references that. And so, you know what, if, if you seclude yourself for a little while because you're trying to walk with God and get power from God and get the touch of God on your life, that's one thing. But you know what, if you're secluding yourself away from everybody just because you want to get away from everybody and you want to get away from the church people, I, I want to say tonight, that's it's dangerous. How many know that often, often one of the very first things to be severed when people get discouraged is the local church? One of the very first things to go when folks are going through a time of depression or a time of discouragement like Elijah, one of the very first things to go is church attendance. No longer, you know what? You used to go to Sunday school. Now they're not going to Sunday school anymore. Uh, you know what, used to be uh, uh, faithful to the church activities and now they're not going to the church activities anymore. Uh, and uh, I mean, used to be involved and now, you know what, they're no longer going and they say, well, I, just don't, I don't feel like going, but I want to say tonight, church, you know what, that's a bad mistake. I really believe that Elijah, man, listen, I, I couldn't even buff his sandals. I mean, man, you talk about a great, you talk about a great man of God, but I really believe that the Bible lets us see into Elijah's life because although Elijah was a great man during a time of weakness, Elijah made some bad choices. And one of the choices, one of the poor choices that Elijah made was he limited his fellowship. Bad, bad idea, bad idea. You, when you get discouraged, you don't need to stay home. You need to, that. You all the more need to get to church. And people say, well, you know, preacher, I'm just, you know, I'm just feeling so bad and, and I just didn't feel like coming. Listen, that's when you've got to push yourself and you've got to make yourself and uh, you know what, you've got to put your body under subjection like the apostle Paul talked about, be a slave driver to your body. Make it go. He didn't want to go, but make it go. Why? Because brother, when you're in a time of discouragement, that's when you really need the people of God. Now, why is that? Let me tell you why. It's because in our nature, the way God made us, we need provoking. We need provoking when we're encouraged and we need provoking when we're discouraged. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bibles. And I want you to look with me at verse number 23 and we're gonna be done in just a second but I want you to really, really hang on every word uh, while we close the message tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. Notice what our Bible says. The Bible says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Now watch closely. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day 
approaching. The Bible's talking about faithfulness to the house of God there. And you'll notice in verse number 24, the Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good work. That word provoke there means this. It means inciting, not exciting, inciting. Have you ever heard of somebody who incites a riot, inciting a riot? It means this. The word provoke there means irritation. And I want to use that word tonight. In other words, what the Bible is saying is this. We need some constant irritation that encourages us to love and to good works. And so, you know what? That's why it's important you go to the right kind of church. That's why it's important you go to a church like this. I mean, I'm just going to put it like it is. We're not the only good church. We don't have the, the, the corner on the market on that deal. But I would say this, thank God we're one of them. And it's why you ought to go to a church like this that's active and busy. Why? Because, you know what? When you get out of the way, you need a crowd that irritates you until you get back in the way again. That's right. Yeah. That's what the Bible's talking about, provoking, irritating, inciting. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about being a part of a church that irritates you by their phone calls. And you get out, and they're saying, hey, just want to let you know I missed you. By the way, don't preach to them. Just call them, though. Just want to let you know, man, we missed you. And, uh, and then, you know what, a day later, one of our other church members go, hey, man, just want to let you know we missed you. And then, you know what, maybe a few hours later, another church member, hey, just want to let you know we missed you. I mean, their phones rang several times or, 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 or maybe somebody's going through a, a difficult time. Maybe somebody's going through a time of surgery or, or, or something and, and a pastor calls us, hey, brother, just want to let you know that I was praying for you today. And then a little bit later that evening, one of our other church members calls, hey, brother, just want to let you know I was praying for you today. And maybe a day or two later, somebody else calls, hey, brother, just want to let you know I was praying for you. I know you're going through a hard time. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you. You know what that does? That's irritation. That, it's encouragement. Yeah, it's encouragement. But it's also, it's also a reminder that, hey, when you get better. You need to get back in there again. Uh, irritation, irritation, irritation by letters and cards. Uh, ir- uh, who, by the way, some of you are faithful to send cards and letters and may I say, keep it up. Irritation by visits, irritation uh, by the service, irritation by a dedication of the Lord's work. In other words, when people come to Calvary Baptist Church, you know what they ought to see? They ought to see people who are dedicated to the cause of Christ. And you know what, if they walk in here and they're not doing diddly squat, you know what, there ought to be a little bit of an irritation there. I mean, they say, I'm saved, but not doing nothing. And then they see a guy pulling with a bus, you know, he's driving a bus. And then they see another worker going out and working in the junior church. And then they see, you know, somebody after the service vacuuming the carpet. And then they see somebody outside sweeping the sidewalk. And then they, you know, they see somebody staying for an afternoon Sunday club and, and, and you know what, here they're not doing anything. You know what, it's irritation. That's what I'm talking about, provoking, uh, provoking into love. Uh, uh, you know what, uh, irritation by the preaching. Sometimes our preaching is irritating. But you know what it is? It's supposed to be. Irritation uh, through the singing, irritation through the testimonies. When somebody gives a testimony in our church, uh, irritation uh, through the invitations. And so I said that to say this, that we need that constant provoking. That's what church is all about. Listen, when I come to church and I see saints like Miss Sue still going strong for Christ, you know what that does? That irritates me to say, hey, buddy boy, if she can do it, you better be doing it. 
And I see some of these, by the way, we need our older saints. When I see these older saints staying faithful to God, serving God day in and day out, and faithful to the certain, by the way, y'all listen to me tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, listen, I'd be ashamed, I'd be ashamed if I was in my 20s and I let Miss Sue uh, run circles around you. That's right, that's right. By the way, that's the way, that's the way a real church is supposed to be. It's that provoking. It's that, it's that, that irritation. When I see young preachers in the church that are serving well and young preachers that are really developing their preaching skills and young preachers that are, are, are zealous about the cause of Christ, you know what that tells me, brother? I got to stay with it, man. I don't want to listen. I don't want to let some young preacher that is just now getting in the ministry uh, run circles around. No, sir, brother. And by the way, by the grace of God, you young preachers, you ain't going to run circles around me. Uh, you, may, you may run with me, but I'm just telling you, brother, I'm planning on staying up ahead. Amen. I got a lot more to do. Got a lot more years to serve. And uh, bless God, I'd rather, I'd rather wear out than rust out any day. Amen. And want to stay with us. It ain't time to resign. It's time to resign. Amen. It ain't time to retire. It's time to refire. And uh, I'm just saying, brother, when you come to the right kind of church, you know what it does? It irritates you. It provokes you to do more for the cause of Christ. The truth is, listen, Elijah, Elijah got away from those who could have encouraged him to go on. So uh, this, that's all I'm saying. Man, you get discouraged. Don't get away from your Sunday school class. Man, that's when you need your Sunday school class the most. When you get discouraged, don't get away from the preaching. Well, you need the preaching then more than you've ever needed it in your life. Why? Because you need that, you need that provoking. You need that, that irritation. I thought about this. And boy, this is happening right now, isn't it? When an emergency responder is attending to someone who's been severely injured, have you ever noticed that that, that first responder doesn't just leave them alone? I mean, somebody that's really hurt, bleeding profusely, you know what they'll do? They're, hey, 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 brother, stay with me. Hey, hey, stay with me. Hey, man, stay with me. Come on. What'd you, what, what'd you say your wife's name was? Hey, come on, man, stay with me. Stay with me now. Look at me. Look at, hey, look at me. Look at me. You know what he's doing? He's irritating. Don't go out on me. Don't, don't, don't go unconscious. Stay awake. Hey, stay, talk to me. Talk to me. Hey, we're going to have you out of here in just a little bit. We're going we're gonna to get this door open. We're going to have you out here. Talk to me. Hey, uh, what, what are you thinking about? What's your wife's name? What's your kid's name? Uh, uh, tell me where you work at. What's he doing? Man, he's irritating. That's what he's doing. He's provoking him. He's irritating him. And brother, that's what we need as children of God, uh, constantly provoking to love and to good works. Someone may say, preacher, why in the world do we do what we do at Calvary? I mean, why do we have Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and Sunday school, and youth activities, and revivals, and conferences, and all these things. You know why? Because you and I constantly need provoking. We need to be constantly reminded. Man, that's why we get around others. That's why my people, they, they irritate. <laughs> Y'all irritate the fire out of me, man. I, and by the way, keep doing it, whatever you do. Keep doing it. That's right. Man, I want to pastor a church like this. I don't want to go somewhere and pastor a church where nobody's doing anything. You know why? Because I might fall into that same trap. 
Man, if I go pastor a church where nobody cares about doing anything and everybody's just complacent and settled and, and who cares about souls and who cares about leading people to Christ, you know what? I might fall in. No, sir, brother. I want to be somewhere where people are leading people to Jesus and running bus routes and preaching in the jail and preaching in the nursing home and, and passing out gospel. Why? Because, brother, that provokes me that I got to keep on doing what I need to be doing. I thought about this. It's why we have... It's why we have football coaches, isn't it? Think about it. It's why we have, it's why we have defensive coordinators. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know why they're there? You know why that coach is there? Hey. Yeah. Hey, get up. Hey, quit whining. Hey, get back over here. Hey, take a knee. Hey. Hey, boys, give me some laps. Hey, leg lifts. Hey, what do you think you're get doing? Get over it. What are you doing? Now, wait a minute now. What's that, what's, that, what's that all about? Man, he's provoking them to do more, to stay in there, stay in the game, stay. And by the way, can I say this? That's why you and I ought to be at practice. Amen. And I'll guarantee you, just as sure as I'm teaching this tonight, we've got some folks at Calvary Baptist Churches. Well, I'm, if, we, if we call them tonight, they'd say, Preacher, I'm just so discouraged. I, I just, I don't see, I can't see the light of day. And I want to say, okay, you know where you should have been tonight? Not watching Wednesday night television, which by the way, which by the way, which by the way is some of the worst television on is on church nights. You know where you should have been? You should have been at the church where you get irritated and provoked and say, uh, you know what, I'm discouraged, but man, uh, you know what preacher did? He kicked me in behind him tonight and said, get up, get up, get up, get going, get going. Don't stay discouraged. Listen, you might visit discouragement. Don't you stay there. Don't you, don't you pitch a tent there. Man, just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. And one of the ways we do that, thank God, is by Christian fellowship. when Elijah got away from that. And boy, he not, only, he not only ran 100 miles away, but when he got the 100 miles away, then he told his servant, he said, you stay here. I'm going by myself. And things didn't get better. Things got worse. That's when he wanted to die. Now listen, this is all I'm saying. Man, just... Stay in here, stay in here with God, stay in here with the people of God. And uh, you say, well, you know, I'd go to Calvary, but, I, you know, I feel a little bit bad down there because, man, I see so many people doing this and that and serving. Hey, that's the way it's supposed to be, brother. That's the way it's supposed to be. Don't limit your fellowship. Don't let the devil steal you away or get you out of the house of God. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, I thank you for this lesson tonight. I hope it made sense. Lord, I hope it spoke to somebody's heart tonight. Lord, it never fails. We get discouraged. And one of the very, very first things the devil will say is, don't go to church. One of the very first things the devil will say is, you don't need preaching. You don't need preaching. You don't need that Sunday school class. You don't need that activity. But Lord, help us to understand that when we get discouraged, we need that so much the more. And I pray tonight that you'll help us to be faithful. Help us to be rock solid. God, truth is, we're all going to get discouraged. But God, when that discouragement comes, help us to be careful 
that we don't fall into the same trap that Elijah did by limiting our fellowship. God, I pray you'll have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand all over the house tonight?